0: Welcome to Lit Up, Big Ideas in Cannabis Technology and Innovation, a show about technology pioneers of the cannabis industry, the platforms they are building, and the entrepreneurs they are enabling. Because it's too hard for highly regulated industries, legal cannabis-related businesses, and financial institutions to connect, a volatile mix of local, state, federal, and banking laws and regulations make relationships difficult. Compliance and reporting can be overwhelming for both parties. Many financial institutions have steered clear of this new business opportunity, intimidated by the potential risk of tainted funds. Many legally operating businesses are forced to manage large amounts of cash, stifling their ability to grow. GreenCheck replaces those processes with a cloud-based platform that verifies legal cannabis-related businesses, analyzes every transaction, and automatically files required reports. I'm your host, Brian Weber. On this inaugural episode, we're welcoming Kevin J. Hart of Green Check Verified to discuss satisfying banking and cannabis regulations. Kevin is an experienced C-level executive that has been involved in the tech industry for four decades. His passion for solving business problems via technology has brought him all over the world, including working with Fortune 100 companies and startups. Driven by the notion that horizontal business challengers are always the most fun to attack He embarked on the journey to design a holistic, horizontally integrated platform to solve the cannabis banking challenge. That brings us to today's call. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Thank you. Just a few background questions for you. Where in the world are you joining us from today?
1: I am in New Haven, Connecticut, and uh, you actually caught us uh, three days before our move because we're actually moving up the road to North Haven on Saturday. Nice, uh, well, larger, larger location. We've outgrown our space here
0: that after is a, a few years. That's a that's a very high class problem to have. Um, Indeed, I, I saw some news flash through my uh, headlines this morning. There was some in Connecticut. There was some some legal cannabis news yesterday, right?
1: Yes, the uh, General Law Committee. Uh, so there's three bills that were presented. It was uh, it was a very fascinating process. There's General Law, Finance, and Judiciary. They all presented together, uh, but General Law had a public hearing on Friday. Uh, they uh, voted on it in committee yesterday, and it passed. So the next steps are for the other two bills to do their similar process. And they're going to merge them into one omnibus bill here for adult legalization in Connecticut. And the support looks strong. Um, I believe they have the votes, and I think that it will be voted and passed this year, and then the program can actually then start to become implemented.
0: That's exciting news. Yeah, I know we had uh, some—I'm in uh, Eatontown, New Jersey uh, at our podcast studios today— Uh, And we had some sad news yesterday that there wasn't enough uh, votes to pass for uh, for adult use here in New Jersey. And also recently, New York took it out of the the budget negotiations. So looks like Connecticut might be legalized before the rest of us might be the first in the uh, in the area.
1: Yeah, and that was sad. You know, we. uh we uh, work very closely. We have a lobbyist in New Jersey, and we were disappointed to hear that um, that it wasn't going to be brought up for vote. It was suspect whether they had the votes, but we we're disappointed that it didn't even get to the voting process. It would have been good, I think, for the public to see who was in and who was out.
0: What was your history? What brought you to to, to this industry? What was your background?
1: Well, fascinatingly, I've, I've spent four decades in uh, enterprise software. I've taken a company public, uh, sold two companies, publicly traded companies, and I've always been fascinated by what technology can do for business. Uh, you know, And I love um, the idea of horizontal, complex solutions. So I've, I've, a lot of my history and my career has been spent in supply chain logistics, uh, high controlled volumes, past moving volumes on a global environment. And so I was approached um, actually to build a point of sale system for the cannabis industry, the iPads you see in the airports and in New York City and in Washington, Reagan, Houston, Newark, et cetera. I was involved with that project when I was running the largest independent Apple dealership in the country called TechServe in New York. Very familiar with it. So, Very familiar with it. Yeah, yep. and, and that was a great project that we worked with, with that, uh, with that company that actually is the hospitality. But we handled all the technology, and we introduced iPads in a mass market scale that even Apple hadn't done outside of an Apple store. So that was really the first of its kind. And so the idea was, you know, the cannabis industry, and because of my order management background, you know, might benefit from having that style point of sale system in the dispensary environment because they somewhat have the same restrictions, which may sound odd, ordering a hamburger versus, you know, picking up, you know, your medicine in a in a dispensary. But people eat with their eyes; they consume what they can see, and because the product is behind the counter with the bud tender all the time what's available, what's in inventory, what are what are its benefits? And so as people are browsing the dispensary, the, the thought was, let's build a really cool point of sale. Um, and as I was flying around the country and I was doing a lot of research everywhere I went, I just was always uh, baffled by the piles of cash, rooms full of cash, you know, safes everywhere. And, you know, I kept hearing, well, we can't get a bank account, we can't get a bank account. And so, As I was exploring the point of sale, I kept thinking in my mind, okay, this banking problem, this is interesting, this is interesting. And again, it became that horizontal solution that was needed. And so we shelved the entire idea of trying to uh, enter into the point of sale. And I have a long list of other reasons for not wanting to do that. But I came very intrigued by the banking challenge. And we embarked on that being our touchstone and seeing where the industry was going, where we believed it was going to go. You know, it was 13 states when we started this. We knew that the trajectory was there, momentum was there. And how do you build a system to solve the banking challenges for this industry and get it out to mass market, mass scale? So that became our starting
0: point. That's a very interesting background. I and mean, we, You and I met at a canagather gather in New York probably a month or so ago. And we just happened to sit next to each other. And my background.
1: That was know, a perfect moment. It was a totally, it was, <laughs> it really it was, was. I was,
0: was <laughs> Reaganing that day. There were so many other things that aligned right that day. Um, but with my background in POS systems and the research that I've been doing for a number of years into the space, um, like it was really a very serendipitous moment that, that we met. So thank you, Universe, for that. Um, and I'm always, I always want to ask guests this question of like, <clears throat> None of us started out within the cannabis industry. It's not that new. We're not that young. Um, nobody's probably that young um, to be legally working in in, uh, in any kind of this space yet. But what was that moment that you're like? I am so compelled to to jump ship here, and I'm so compelled to devote all the hours and all the energy and all to be an entrepreneur within this industry. What did that moment look like for you? Was it a rolling moment or was there like this spark of like, nope, today is the day. I am changing it. We are gonna be doing this.
1: It really it really, you know, the the solidifying moment really occurred on uh, on a return flight back from the from the West Coast. So, you know, I got a lot of seat time, you know, from California to New York City. And Again, everywhere I went, you know, and I was thinking and ideating on this point of sale, highly controlled environment, variable rules, regulations nationwide, how are we going to build that? And so, you know, the precursor to developing a compliance system, you know, was already percolating in my mind. But then, you know, again, it was isolated. It was within that dispensary environment. And, you know, the money kept, uh, you know, sitting there. And, you know, you mentioned the entrepreneurial part. This is a commercial endeavor. So, you know, as I started looking at the industry and, you know, trying to think about it, you know, it was kind of like this moment where you go, hold on a second. If you can really, if you can figure out, you know, how to make banking easier, cheaper, more efficient, more regulated, with more, you know, transparency and verifiable transaction, you know, that puts you at the largest funnel of opportunity of the cannabis industry, because all the dollars are spent within the dispensary. There's a reverse supply chain of cash where it goes back to the growers and producers, but let's just look at where all the money spent in dispensaries. And then what's the single biggest problem they have? Banking. Okay. So if you can sit at the largest funnel of opportunity and you can solve the biggest challenge, then it creates an amazing commercial opportunity for you. Now, those check two boxes, right? That's that's you know what the potential is, but then it gets super complex when you figure out, okay, how do you take these two highly regulated, independently regulated, disparate industries and get them to want to do business together? that That became much more complex, both in theory, and then, and practice as we ideated through how to build the company and how to design the solution.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. But like the core of any business, I mean, business school 101 is you want to start a business? Well, identify a problem that the market has not met to solve yet. When we discussed this, it was like you're going straight to the middle of this. And like, no, we are going to definitely dive deep into these industries and work within within this framework. So. Um, before we get too into that, and I know you touched on it a bit, I wanted to, to, to step back and, and, and get into some of our, our main questions today. Um, can we get like a 10,000-foot view over uh, GreenCheck Verified, uh, the background and the mission, just to, to, to state it explicitly for our audience?
1: Sure. So, again, the notion was, you know, how do you take these two highly regulated industries and get them to want to work together? And, you know, the only way you're going to be able to do that is to establish trust and trust in what is needed from both sides, uh, provide the required level of visibility to the information that both sides need to use, but it has to be specifically tailored to what their requirements are. So the activity that happens within in any sort of dispensary environment and the platform's designed to work with any plant touching business is designed to the state local rules and regulations. And that's fascinating. That's great. But that doesn't mean it satisfies what's needed by the financial institutions. So you really touched on a key point a moment ago, Brian, when you said instead of working around, we took the view of working within the banking industry. So we knew we had to be from the chief compliance officer seat outward into the industry. Mm -hmm. And that meant what information needed to come back to them. And so We looked at the FinCEN guidelines on banking the cannabis industry. They've been established. The coal memo before sessions rescinded and even post, it's still an active touchstone for the industry. And so we knew we had to be able to work within that framework. So GreenCheck Verified really is a, a full compliance system that connects both sides, but You know, visually, the way we like to represent it is it sits in front of a cannabis business because it knows what the local rules and regulations at the city, county, and state level are for that type of operation. It sits above that operation because as activities occurring, it's verifying those activities against all those local rules and regulations. It's therefore verifying the commerce that's occurred to satisfy what the banking industry needs in terms of the FinCEN guidelines and the BSA and the AML and the OFAC. There's a lot of uh, alphabet soup on the back end. And it presents that information equally to both the cannabis business and the financial institutions and gives them visibility into what sort of uh, activity they want to have in terms of a banking relationship, deposit accounts, operating accounts, and then the flow of that information. And then it further has to sit on the back end because the financial industry has its own set of examiners that it needs to satisfy. State auditors, federal examiners that come in and want to look at these accounts. They're still all considered high-risk accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have
0: to be able to satisfy
1: all those cohorts in that horizontal single platform
0: of usage. So you took the view from the different stakeholders that are going to be looking at the data and what they need and then kind of, I wouldn't say reverse engineer, but like, okay, well, this is what they need to see. Let's build our data into this and, and track all these items from 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 that perspective.
1: Correct. And, and then we also knew that each one of those environments is going to have a different technology environment. So we had to be, you know, a very light tech footprint. It had to be a web app. We knew security and... Uh, patient confidentiality and, you know, so HIPAA, PCI, PII compliance all had to be built into it. We knew that we had to have an ultra tight security framework in and around the platform for it to work because banking systems are going to put you through a vendor due diligence process that Mm -hmm. no cannabis business has ever gone through before and never will because they have a different set of rules and regulations. We knew we had to be able to satisfy that. So it was, you know, it was really more about building the company and, and doing the design, and vetting the design externally, not just internally, but externally with
0: experts over a two-year period before we actually even wrote the first line of code. Before we get too much into detail, and I do want to get into a lot of the tech stuff, um, one question that we had discussed prior, and I get a lot of these questions when we're discussing point-of-sale or merchant processing, um, at uh, the networking events I go to, um, and especially for, for anybody who's new within the industry, um, one of the biggest challenges that you had stated to me that you, you face all the time is that people think banking for cannabis is, is not exactly legal. Is, did I restate that correctly?
1: Yeah. It, 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 so anywhere where there, there is a state State-sanctioned program, and, and you know, right now it's a great example. All right, you're sitting in New Jersey; I'm sitting here in Connecticut. Both of us are under the jurisdiction of two sets of laws: the federal law and the state's law. States' rights, federal rights. So, you know, the banking, the cannabis industry, because FinCEN put the guidelines out, isn't illegal if you follow these programs, and if you're ready for the scrutiny associated with it. And so That's the there question, is a misconception mis- that it is illegal. It's not. It's, you know, in New Jersey and Connecticut, as we stand today, there are state-sanctioned medical programs. They can be banked, but boy, you better do it right, because if you don't, then you're going to have a problem. It'll and be- that problem could be at the state or the federal level, depending on what you did wrong.
0: They can't do it. They just don't want to do it because there's a lot of risks, and it might not be worth, worth the investment of, of the time if they don't um, have those resources to devote to that. So can Mm -hmm. you give us some stats on, uh, GreenCheck Verify today? Where are you at? Where are you operating right now? Customers, what state you're in, banks that you're working with, uh, anything that you guys care to share?
1: Sure. So we actually, um, as of this week, and I'm not crossing my fingers, I, I remain, uh, very confident that this will happen. So, but, As of this week, we will actually have uh, three agreements contracts signed here in the state of Connecticut. That is two dispensaries, and uh, one credit union. And so, both dispensaries are brand new. They are part of the recent um, group that was approved back in December. Mm -hmm. They're both one is scheduled to open here in April, and the next one will will open in May. We have a credit union. We were endorsed by the Credit Union League of Connecticut for their member unions to utilize us as the platform to enable canvas banking. Uh, We're in conversations with four different credit unions here in the state. And one of them is actually coming on board with one of the new dispensaries. And that project will go live actually in a few weeks. So, and, and you know, if you just put those two things I said together, you know, that's from agreement to go live in the span of a couple of weeks. That's Other models quick. that are out there in the industry take months and months and months. That's you know, very we quick. We digitized and automated the entire process.
0: That's, that's, uh, that's an amazing ramp-up process to, again, get out of people's ways of doing business, which um, is definitely part of that solution that you guys provide. So not just in technology, mm-hmm. but also in practice as well. Um Exactly. Who are your customers? I mean, obviously dispensaries, obviously banks, and I know you spoke uh, focus on a specific um, part of that industry as well. Uh, Who else? Government agencies, um, data collection agencies, compilers. Anything else? Like who who does who do you sell to?
1: Our, our primary audience are the plant touching businesses and you know for initial rollout we are talking dispensaries but we're also talking about multi-unit uh, operators groves vertically integrated um, and then the financial institutions that want to serve them and those specifically for us are state chartered financial institutions so community banks and credit unions we you know if we have a four porn go to market strategy around the product uh, so direct organic sales, pent up demand is obvious and it's nationwide. So that's always available. And we're actually in active conversations in 14 states to your earlier question, where are we? Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually have proposals, uh, in front of, uh, operators and financial institutions and, and in multiple states right now, and we're early in other conversations, um, we also do talk to the governmental agencies. So uh, in Connecticut, as example, we talked about that. We actually testified uh, and submitted written testimony as to our recommendations about how all plant-touching businesses in the state should be required to have a uh, relationship with the Connecticut Chartered Financial Institution. That isn't the case anywhere, and we think that that, that should be required, and we can help facilitate that. Um, we also are talking to some ancillary partners. I, I wish I could disclose their names that will be coming out publicly shortly, but we have two very far down the line where the system was designed from the very beginning to be white-labeled, mm-hmm. if you will. Yep. And so these are industry-recognized names that have substantial number of clients but everybody in this industry has the same problem. They don't have bank accounts. Yeah. And this impedes their ability to close deals and to retain customers uh, because how are they going to get paid? So we actually uh, have established strategic relationships with them. They feed our pipeline. We help those uh, those accounts close bank accounts, get bank accounts, and maintain bank accounts, and therefore the ancillary partners can continue to grow.
0: You had mentioned in some of the interviews I was uh, doing some research on that compliance is such a cost structure for a lot of these businesses, especially the banking, and especially if you're dealing with small community bankings that don't have the resource of a a large national, even regional bank. You're flipping this and turning a, what was normally a cost area into a profit area that by enabling these banks to have access to data that they need, um, there is a feeder for dispensaries um, that also need this, the same information back coming into these banks. So your business model could, at least from what I see, could work two different ways, but it almost seems like a bank would want to acquire this, this software or license this software um, to be able to offer as a service, to be able to get into this market. Did I read that correct?
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things that we knew from the beginning is to the very points that you made, Brian, the cost and the expense. Once they got over the visceral reaction of, do we want to bank cannabis industry? It's, then it becomes from the, can, can we, to how do we? Um, and, a lot of community banks and credit unions you know that industry is suffering as a result of uh, Dodd Frank and uh, the Sarbanes-Oxley uh, you know requirements that came out they don't have BSA officers they don't have full-time compliance officers these are shared responsibilities they don't have the muscle memory they don't uh deal with these sort of transactions all the time and now you're talking about, you know, a really what is considered high risk business, you know, with uh, cannabis, which requires enhanced due diligence. So you really have to make sure that they're presented the information that's back to that education, how you do this. And now they still have to do the work, yep. but we present all the information for them so that they can actually attest and verify. And then as they pass it forward, they can say, Okay, we're we're ready for the scrutiny of an exam cycle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that really is part of the magic sauce, or you know how we built this platform because uh, our goal is for mass scale, and we can't afford to become a services organization. The solution has to deliver the value. It exactly. can't be just the knowledge of us as individuals.
0: Exactly, exactly. Curious, do your uh, terms of of use allow you guys to? Um mine aggregate data? Um, cause when you're going through the, to, uh, you, you, uh, verify on the transaction level, um, are you collecting data that is related to, I mean, obviously, um, any kind of patient or customer identifiable information is removed, but as far as type of product, quantity of product, and you guys can generate a lot of aggregate data related to what is selling? What are the current trends that are going on? Do your terms of service, terms of use, allow you to collect and even market and, and, and sell that data?
1: Well, one of the things that we actually do do with the data is because of the security uh, concerns is everything's encrypted in transit and at rest. So, you know, individual patient identified information, you know, it, it's just a hash. We don't know what it is, but it means something to the system and our processing. So. Mm-hmm. And because we're HIPAA, PCI, and PAI compliant, we really you know follow all those guidelines and rules. But you're right; we will be collecting a good amount of information as to you know how that uh, how that data can be uh, captured and used as it relates to streams. But. You know, really, to us, one of the more interesting things is, you know, you know, if you look at the strain of a of, of a brand like OG Kush, OG Kush in Connecticut is going to be different than OG Kush in, in New Jersey or anywhere else, right? Because it is a plant, it's an organic material, and you know, for us, the the visibility into the types of uh, concentrations and strains, with not just by the names, but because of the plants and the seed to sale we see a future opportunity there to actually help not sell help other organizations as relates to some of these things. So not to get on the soapbox, but from the very beginning, you know, there are certain organizations that have a, a special place in my heart and, uh, ALS and Parkinson's are two of them. And so, you know, as, these folks are struggling with these conditions and cannabis is helping them. If we could somehow help provide information to them to say, okay, you know, this patient found this, this product, not by name, but by screen Mm -hmm. to be helpful on this one and this one, you know, I'd really like to see us in the future as we scale, be able to take some of that information and give it. The word is give, not sell, give to those organizations to actually, help them with their research because they can send out mass emails to people and say, Is cannabis helping you? Yes, they're going to get a reply. What would you take? OG oh, Kush. What, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. You know, so it's really that underlying data that we think that we will have visibility to that for us. That's our give, that's one of our give backs. I really want to make sure that, you know, we can try to do something
0: like that from a future perspective. As, as somebody who's uh, ALS has touched my family, um, and I think that's that's a very, um, for what you're doing, for regulations, for the data that you have to be able to give that data in a um, in a format that is readily accessible and digestible to to the end audience. For that, in a non-banking, non banking, uh, non in a in a very medicinal way, um, I, I hope that does does provide some help uh, on, on a much larger level. So I didn't come across that in any of our research, but thanks for sharing that. That's 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 really great. Um yeah moving on to some of the technical things now you you said you mentioned earlier with some of the lightweight that you touch into POS and reporting systems or whatever else what are some of the systems that you do integrate with So um, not to
1: not to sound like uh, that it's oversimplified but our you know one of the one of the key touchstones from the very beginning was that we would be, you know, point of sale agnostic. And then when we were looking in the banking industry, we knew we had to be somewhat system agnostic, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, unfortunately, community banks and credit unions are, you know, they tend to lag behind in terms of the technology. So we built the entire platform using an, an API framework. We mm-hmm. actually use the API framework that we established internally as part of our own system, uh, because we knew the ability to be able to ingest data from any system was going to be hypercritical because of the variations of point-of-sale, seed-to-sale, and, and systems that are out there. And we knew we had to translate that and then be able to push it back into the banking systems and also always work with the federal systems that were electronically filing to, like Treasury Department, as well as core systems. So. The the tech team, you know, this was part of the design of, of the company before we started coding. We spend a lot of time, you know, on that API framework. So, to date, we haven't come across in in our test case scenarios and our market outreach. Again, we validated so much of this externally before we launched the product. We haven't come across any showstoppers. Um, our our ETL engine is was purpose built and designed to be able to accommodate all of that. Gotcha. Um, so
0: so are there the are there team,
1: mm-hmm. thumbs up to them?
0: Yeah, no, it's a very complex thing for someone who has worked in in IT for I mean I'm focusing on POS systems for about eight years now. Uh, everyone's like, oh, we got an API, we can write to that, but actually doing that and actually having the data be of good value and having interoperability between those things you know, beyond the sales pitchy talk, actually it working and being able to have good data go back and forth between two different systems via API isn't always the case because a lot of that could be written on some legacy architecture or it just is not meant to provide that data there. So starting your system on the basis of having to share data, getting in and out on both ends and all over the place um, was a very smart move for you guys and actually necessary for you guys to survive. Do you have any systems that you have, not to keep on the question, but do you have any systems that you have written to that you've tried and true, have a lot of use with, a lot of external testing in, or you're just, you really don't want to pigeon yourself of like, hey, we work with XYZ here yet?
1: Well, I we have tested it to three systems. So I mentioned those two ancillary partners and there is the, you know, this, the common system that both the, the new dispensaries here in Connecticut are going to use. Mm-hmm. So. I won't share the names because, you know, we don't we do have other other relationships, but you know, we've tested them and and it works very very well. Right. And I will say this too, you know, there are there are some, you know, great ancillary uh providers in the industry that have, you know, built some, you know, good API and SDK, you know, frameworks for partners to work in. There's some bad ones too, Brian, yep. and you know, that's part of our vetting process as to Okay, who do we want to work with? Uh, but um, there are some good ones out there. Yeah, you. Can, we like ours the best, <laughs> but you know there are some good
0: ones. Yeah, you can definitely get stuck in a wormhole with some bad ones, and you're you're burning a lot of dev oh, time, yeah. dev time, to making those mm-hmm. things work. So it might not be uh, might not be the lowest hanging fruit to go after. Um, for the dispensaries that you are going to be working with, how is pr- payment processing involved as part of uh, what you're you're working with? and the dispensary and the POS and, 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 and also the banks.
1: Well, that's one of the things that we do. So we, we uh, look at every individual transaction and we actually take the transaction of it's multi-line and we'll actually even break it down even further to, you know, give the verification of compliance. And one of the things we also look at is method of payment. So, you know, one of the fascinating things about this industry is it's still 80 plus percent cash, um, because the, the you know people just are used to paying that way, and the usurious fees associated with some of these alternative payments, be they cashless credit cards, stored value cards, you know the workarounds, yep. which a lot of the banks are going to be afraid of. So, you know, banks want to know that they have um, verifiable commerce. There are some uh, closed loop payment systems or opportunities for direct debit cards, but we look at each individual transaction and the method of payment and then the bank and the dispensary they as part of their service offering their agreement they look at the the percentage of transactions and again the overall notion of all the verified sales to decide you know what sort of you know other forms of payments that they might entertain they may say we're not interested in any electronic payment systems because we don't trust that you know third-party vendor that you're using. We've heard some instances say, "Well, you're going to have to shut that down in order for us to actually have the account." Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a whole variety. There, there is no, there is no cookie-cutter answer for this industry right now because of you know so much of the variability. So
0: you're learning we're as you're growing. You're learning as you're learning growing. on the fly. <laughs> yeah, you're learning as you're growing, as as a lot of people are. Um, mm-hmm. and, but what is your on, I mean, this kind of hints back to this is like, um, I want to go over two things. One, what is your like onboarding process for, for, for new customers? Cause I know the, the, the compliance starts there and then move into transactional level, uh, items as well. Um, uh, and you, I know we touched on it at the beginning of our conversation today, um, but to be able to, 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 go through a lot of those compliance checks and get a customer on board in just a few months, um is 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 pretty is is pretty quick. So do you want to maybe touch briefly on on those two items?
1: Sure. So you know there isn't a plant touching business that doesn't want a bank account. Well, there are some that would prefer to stay in the dark, but let's just say the ones that do um what, what we do is when we we go to a state we know we want to have that financial partner there first but you know where we really see this morphing to brian is almost creating like a lending tree model for the cannabis industry we want to change the rules of the game where instead of begging for a bank account you actually post who you are and uh banks have to bid for your business and we think we're going to get there in a very rapid time with the evolving landscape but for now you know, a lot of dispensary owners, you know, have never had a commercial account before. So the whole notion of the articles of incorporation, beneficial ownership, sharing their lease agreement, maybe sharing their uh, prior operating statements and or even tax returns, the things are actually required to open a com- true commercial banking account. You know, we've created that entire uh, process on platform. Nice. And so the dispensary owner can, at their leisure, Um, And we guide them through this within the system, say, here are all the requirements and the documents that you actually have to be able to open that account and present them to them. We then um, we give them a once over just to make sure they're right. You know, we're in the early stages here. Mm -hmm. And then that gets presented to the bank their financial partner they review them and they may come back and say, well, we need this document, this document, because it's a high risk account. Mm-hmm. So there's a workflow engine built into the platform so nice. that both sides can see what's needed and where they are in the process instead of driving back and forth and calling lawyers and doing all that work. Just, like a, just like a mortgage application
0: it. for anybody who's had to go through that. Yep. Yeah.
1: And yep. then from there, once the accounts open, then the transaction monitoring can occur. And so what we also do is we'll take uh, a three or six month back window and load that and run it through the system and establish uh, a compliance baseline. And we, one of our uh, three patent pending processes is what we call the confidence score. And it really is, how is that, uh, how is that cannabis business operating to the rules and regulations? And that's important because we also give recommended feedback on how to improve. But what that also does is it allows the bank in that income, in that uh, dispensary to establish that clear relationship and understanding of where they are, the volume of dollars, and it establishes the baseline for what the future activities should look like. Mm-hmm. It also gives them the opportunity to deposit legacy cash, gotcha. which is critical. But then from there, on a daily or weekly, depending on the frequency that they get to agree to, and it's built into the system, we scrub all the individual transactions from the point of sale for compliance. We present that information equally. Deposits are made. We have uh, cash management transfer services also scheduled within the system. Mm -hmm. And because of the latency of cash associated with this industry, it's kind of treated like a check. Just because the deposit was made or given off to a courier service doesn't mean it actually hit your hurt your actual operating account because the bank still has to do their verification of the the transaction and the information that we present to them.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So once the bank does that, then the dispensary owner is notified that your deposit went from pending to accepted because hitting QuickBooks is never going to tell you that it was accepted. We created that all in the platform. When you look at a day-to-day operation of a dispensary, you know you run through a week sales and you try to figure out where your cash went. Good luck to you. You're yeah. not gonna, you're not you're not going to be able to do it and without having to go on and log in online. So everything is contained within the platform. Within the system. And then the bank gets to do what they need to do for all the 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 reporting that's required.
0: Have you had any Pushback from dispensary owners, and obviously compliance is a is a is an active progress, uh, and it's not like something like, "Oh, we're going to implement compliance and then we're done." It is an active. Um, it is not a noun; it's a verb. Um, but have you had any issues with dispensary owners getting pushback, being like? we're going to have records of compliance we're also going to have records of non-compliance with this and that could open us to to issues of like we have a verifiable a, a verifiable electronic record that something may have been less than compliant here what is your what is your response to that when dispensary owners are are, are questioning that even if it's with the best of intentions and we're trying to improve our process and those kind of things
1: We knew that those questions would exist, and and, and we did get them early, and we still get them every time. The difference, though, is that with the the transactions that are marked either questionable or out of compliance, human error is going to occur. There's nobody that's expecting perfection in this industry. Um, So they know that, and the industry is maturing. The big difference for us comes in, we not only tell you, where, where it was suspect or not verifiable. But the dispensary owner operators actually come to embrace this because we get the, we give them visibility to things they might not find out until it's too late when the regulators standing in front of them. They get to see if things are happening within their operation that they may not ever know about. You know even outside of a regulator, things can happen in an industry. This is you know, it's a complex moving piece product diversion, cash diversion, things of that nature gives them visibility. But what is really most important is we not only tell them what went wrong, but we tell them where it went wrong and what the suggested corrective action is against the rules and regulations. So the whole compliance rules engine that we built actually sits independent within that uh, cannabis account. And so Let's just say a record was put and somebody forgot to log into the system or they didn't catch my first name or they sold a medical product to an adult patient because it was on the shelf wrong or, you know, it, it, the, the point of sale system didn't prevent it. We actually present that information back to them and say, here are the errors and here are, here's the exact rules and regulation," And then they can actually click on that and then say, okay. Kevin Hart, me, I was the bud tender. You know, you made this a legal sale. Please read this uh, procedure that we have in place again so you understand, you know, what happened. Regulators know errors are going to occur. They want to know what you did about it, too. Mm -hmm. And so we're presenting that opportunity to actually improve performance. So much like compliance comes with new business for a financial institution, Compliance can become a a strong competitive advantage for dispensary operation because you're talking percentage points in terms of visibility that they never had before. So they actually like it when they see it. The question comes up every time, but here's the solution.
0: Yeah, and at that point, it turns this software into an Uber manager that's overlooking all of these things and also generating reinforcements for management to make workflow improvements and also for you know, um, correcting mistakes that might happen and they're going to happen. So that's, um, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a really, that might probably just pay for the system itself. There
1: are a couple of things to consider, you know, from the federal perspective, you know, but you know, summarily, you know, when, uh, when, not if, when the federal government does, uh, enact in, in states, uh, bank rights, or they look at, uh, changing it from the schedule one drug to something else rules and regulations don't go away, you know, and most importantly, the treasury department is, you know, still has purview uh, over, you know, how the banking industry works. And, you know, we all know, unfortunately, the, the illicit cannabis industry, the stuff that goes on in bars and schoolyards and everywhere else is still five to eight times greater than what's going on in the Starbucks style dispensaries we've all come to know lately. Mm -hmm. So, treasury is never going to green light that other 50 80, 100 billion dollars to just start flowing into the u.s banking system because states right uh states banks rights came in mm-hmm. rules and regulations as they exist today under FinCEN guidelines etc will only become amplified because they're going to have to make sure that that money doesn't start flowing through you you, you know because once you open that spigot to just cannabis sales what other money is going to start running through some of these operations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we think for us, it'll be, uh, it'll be a big boost to our business because again, it's not, it's not a question of can you, it's how do you do it the right way? Um, and at that, by that point in time, we'll have hit so many States and be operational in so many different institutions, uh, we think it'll be jet fuel for us.
0: Definitely, definitely. So it kind of leads me into my last question, which is why I put it there. Uh, what, I mean, we're sitting here, it is late March 2019. Um, what is the next year look like for, for you guys? What's next for doing uh, for Check Verified?
1: Well, you know, I, I, we're in conversations in 14 states. I, you know, I fully expect, and we talk about this actively internally, you know, from a team perspective. I I firmly believe, based upon our opportunities, the way the product is built. You know, we took three years to you know to build this the company and the product to do it right. As we come out of stealth mode, that we will be operational in 20 plus states uh, by January 1st, 2020. I think we'll actually be higher than that. Wow. Um, I see us with our ancillary partners uh, and the go-to-market strategy and the number of accounts that they already have live and our transition into them because of the way we developed the product. Um, I think we will become a sonic boom that just blows right across the country. Like where did these guys come from? Never heard of them before. And Holy cow, look what they're doing. I, I, I sincerely believe this. I built best of best of breed software companies before and I'm proud of the work that I've done previously, but the opportunity that we've created here for us, I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, we know how to do things right, and that's what we're doing.
0: I definitely feel that way too, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show. It was just, um, it, it was such a compelling story that, um, and such an unmet need um, for the marketplace that was just so glaring. So um, mm-hmm. I want to do a few quick wrap-up questions kind of leading into that one um, is what do you need from the universe currently? Is there anything that you want to project out there? Like, what do you, uh, to get to that goal, um, from, from start to to, to 20 plus states in in nine months, what do you guys need right now? So if anyone's listening and you have this, what do you need?
1: Sure. Well, we're actually doing uh, a seed round race right now. And, um, you know, you can question the timing of this but uh, as to how I did it, but it, it was thoughtful. I wanted to make sure that we had the product and we were ready for the national demand. We're a pre-revenue company, um, so we had to make sure that we had a lot of the pieces in place before we could turn the revenue engine on. But I also knew as word leaked out, the demand would come, so hence the conversations in the 14 states. Um, Because we're an ancillary service provider, we're not as sexy as plant touching businesses. So people look at it, and they also think banking is illegal. So the conversations to actually find uh, investors in this industry are our challenge. Our pushing the rock up the hill is a lot, a lot steeper and a lot farther than other people in the business because we're not plant touching. Mm -hmm. But once they see it and they hear it, then they're interested. But you got to find those people. So. That really is, right now, that is our, uh, our, our biggest challenge. I'm really happy to say that, you know, even as of last night, had a great call with a, uh, an amazing group that I've met, and we've been in conversation, and we're going to get a letter of commitment. So we're going to be more than halfway home on our $3 million goal. But um, there still is opportunity for uh, people to participate in the seed round if they're an accredited investor.
0: Well, what where where is the best way to reach out to you personally or just go to the info on the, uh, on the company website, uh, info at uh, greencheckverified.com? Is that a, a good intro at least for, for anybody who sure. as an accredited investor yep. to, to reach out to you guys? Okay, yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, related to that, um, how can they interact with Green Check Verified? How can they get a, in contact with you, um, Facebook, Twitter, social, anything else?
1: Yeah, um, we do we do have a uh, we do have our uh, company uh, company website of course.
0: Yep, and we that's... also
1: have our, our LinkedIn account uh for the company as well. That's um, and so that is uh greencheck uh, Ver- Green inc. Um, and then my Twitter uh, my LinkedIn account is always there. Mm-hmm. My email account is uh that's Kevin. Is khart
0: mm-hmm.
1: at greencheckverified.com. And then for Twitter, we are at
0: Get Green Check. Get Green Check. So Get Green Check. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Um, one other in, in question I had for you is like for this for in, in users that are very interested in this particular area, where do you get your industry news from? Are there? I mean, obviously you're sitting with with you know feet in many different camps here, but what are uh, information sources that you rely on? Daily, weekly, podcast books, YouTube, newsletters, what are like maybe three that you just love getting or like that are a, a huge source for you that you trust?
1: So we're always uh, scouring, you know, the, the, the pages for all the information. I'm a big fan of new cannabis ventures personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that app on my phone and I'm looking at it all the time. Um, we have our feeds into our each of our individual accounts that we've broken up individually within the company and looking at different ones such as MJ, MJ Business, Cannabis Media, uh, Cannabis Business Executive. Um, those are the three that I follow. And internally, we're always posting, uh, articles and, uh, observations to our Slack channels internally. Uh, so we have our industry news and our marketing channel, our product channel, our competition channel. And, uh, and we're very active in that. And I've, you know, I've become to be a gigantic fan of Slack.
0: Excellent. Excellent. cool. Well, Kevin, I, any parting thoughts for our guests today?
1: Um have faith you know this is uh, you know banking the cannabis industry is, is is doable you know a lot of people just throw their hands up and they're they're worried about the wrong the wrong challenges and, you know one of the most fascinating things that we've encountered in this whole process is you know to date every financial institution that we've uh, we presented this system to has been very impressed with the design and the ease of use and if they've already gotten to that point where they decided that they want to do this, that they understand the reputational risk and they're ready to present it to their board, we've been asked for exclusivity on all those phone calls. And it's the most you know, fascinating thing I've ever experienced in, in my you know, software career, mm-hmm. you know, to be asked that question on a first presentation call. Uh, because they see the opportunity, so there's a lot of people in the banking industry that want first mover status. They see, you know, what this could be to them. Compliance coming with new low cost deposit dollars. It's no longer where budgets go to die. It's where you know banks, credit credit unions, community banks can actually grow yep. and
0: thrive. That's in it. a competitive industry. So it's really fascinating to be able to be part of that. A lot of opportunity here for a lot of different, different groups. And, uh, and I think it's been, it's been an amazing to have you on the show today. It was amazing meeting you. Um, thank you for, for being here. Thank you for sharing the story for this. Um, and I would definitely love to have you back uh, come early 2020 to to see where you guys are. And I know it's going to be a very different conversation for you guys then for how much growth you guys are going to have. So, Kevin, thank you for for being on the on the show today. Enjoyed it, Brian. And reach out anytime. Excellent. Thanks, Kevin. Please. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lit Up: Big Ideas in Cannabis Technology and Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Weber. As always, see our show notes for links to everything we discussed today. If you received any value from today's show at all, any value at all, literally taking 15 seconds to, one, share with your friends who would like this, and two, leave a review in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music, or wherever you get your podcast from. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guests to the show. It's really important. Thank you in advance. You can also reach us at feedback at litupcannabis.com. We're not just in your podcast app. Please follow and interact with us, our guests, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at LitUpCannaTech. Tech. We'll be announcing upcoming guests and follow up with our guests to your questions. Please say hi and share with your friends. It is my goal to be transparent with you on promotional consideration for the show. You're smart. You know these cost time and money to make. Promotional consideration will be made apparent along with any possible conflicts related to investment.